SaaS Insiders, welcome to this episode of our show. Today, I have a special guest. He's not a SaaS founder, but he's a person who can help SaaS founders. Today, I have with me Ben Peleg. He's a pitch coach. And what he does for founders like us is he coaches us how do we pitch our business to investors as a can't-miss opportunity. And today we've been talking about fundraising and how to build a powerful pitch deck and close your next investment round is the topic we'll be discussing today with Ben. Ben, welcome to the show. Hi, Vlad. Thanks for having me. Maybe in a couple of sentences, if you could tell SaaS insiders a bit more about your background so people know you better. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my background is is very much working with SaaS businesses, should I say? Uh, you know, I started out as a as a sales rep, working working with uh, a variety of sort of legal tech and fintech SaaS startups, and have just been in that world for a long time. Got you know, I always found the the pitching side of things. You know, starting out as a sales sales guy uh, was was where I you know really excelled, and I started getting more involved with the investment side of things in in the different startups that I was working with uh, and then not too long ago uh, started started this business where I can really uh, help founders to to learn what I've learned over the years as to how to go about getting getting investment and putting together their pitch awesome now Ben the reason why I'm excited for this interview in particular is because a lot of founders are concerned about the fundraising topic because for most startups cash is a living essence for the business meaning as long as you have cash you are in the game as long as soon as you run out of cash you cannot invest into pivoting finding the product market fit this is where it gets complicated a lot of times SaaS founders refer to fundraising as a full-time activity meaning this is something that you concentrate all of your conscious effort and do your best to to convince investors and to get that partnership to to move forward how accurate is that from your experience and what makes fundraising complicated for most entrepreneurs you worked with yeah i mean to be honest looking at those that i've worked with who have really been successful at raising sort of million dollar plus fundraising rounds i would i would agree with that is and can be a, a full-time job i would use the analogy of of finding a job i mean we're all to told when we kind of you know come out of university and we start finding our finding our first job that it you know it is a full-time job in itself and it's it's pretty similar in this case and i would say the bit that makes it so demanding time-wise is actually the networking side of it. You know, if, if generally the people who are most successful at this, they don't just go online and apply to different VCs or things like that. They spend a huge amount of time and effort networking, connecting with the right investors so they have the opportunity to, to be able to, you know, get in front of the right people. Mm. So is, is this something that people that you would recommend doing all the time? So for example, if I'm a SaaS founder and I know I will need to get investment at some stage, is that beneficial for me to kind of start beforehand, meeting potential investors, networking, talking about my startup so that when the time comes, it's like it saves me a bit more time because I already have a few doors open. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's I don't I don't think there's any time that's too soon for you to start doing this. Yes, it means you may, you know, you may be you may have some conversations with investors who are like, you know, let, let's speak again once you've reached this level or this level. But but that's that's fine. You've established the connection and they'll be able to see the progress that you're making. Um I've heard uh, a number there's a sort of saying going around in in the industry at the moment that investors invest in lines not dots what that means is that they like to see progress so if you have meetings over a period of time and let's say in the first meeting you know you have a sort of half built product by the second meeting you have your mvp and you have you know four co-founders by the third meeting you have you develop some traction they can see the progress and they can see that you can execute on things so yeah absolutely i don't think there's any harm done in starting that that process before you're actually ready SaaS insiders, I hope you pick up some of the gold nuggets. They're already dropping. Investors invest in lines, not dots. And what that means is showing progress is very beneficial when it comes to finding that investment, to finding those fundraising opportunities, because then people can see the direction, the vector that you are going to. What do you find to be the main problems when you see the strategy that SaaS founders take when they go to fundraising? What are the most common mistakes, the, the biggest problems in what people do that prevent them from proper fundraising? Yeah, so I would say that one of the things is a little bit too much emphasis on the pitch deck itself or the, the PowerPoint slides and not enough emphasis on the story that you're telling. The, the, the pitch deck is, is the buzzword. It's the thing that everyone talks about. But actually, I've never heard of anyone being invested in just because they have a great pitch deck. The pitch deck is, is sort of nothing more or less than a brochure to get you in the door, to get you that meeting. So yes, it's important. Uh, but I, that being said, I know people who have got fundraising without a pitch deck and all they had was their story. So it's really important to start with the story. At the end of the day, it's about telling a compelling story of your business. And you know you can back that up with the images and or the, uh, the the PowerPoint presentation, if you will. But I see very often I see all founders are focused on is the pitch deck, and they end up spending a lot of time putting together a very complex pitch deck. When actually you want your pitch deck to be very simple, and the thing that you want to spend most time on is crafting and articulating a very compelling story when speaking mm. to investors. Mm -hmm. And Ben, I want to be this super crystal clear for our audience, to our listeners. When we're speaking from your experience and people you helped with on, on in your career, what type of investments are we speaking? Is it venture capital? Is it private equity? Is it angel investors? What kind of things, what, what kind of experience do you have working with your clients that we'll be discussing today? So I've I've worked with you know all of the above however where what I find where I'm specializing my business mostly at the moment is people in the pre the, the the well sorry the seed round seed round fundraising and most of the time I find the people in that stage will often be pre any kind of real revenue uh they may have some traction uh, but are not yet making you know huge amounts of 
ARR on your recurring revenue. Uh, and my strong advice to people at that stage is to go down the angel investor route. I've spoken to many, many founders who, you know, like most followed sort of the conventional idea that as soon as they've got their MVP and a bit of traction, it's time to start reaching out to VCs and trying to get, you know, those big, big ticket uh, fundraisers. But the reality of the situation is, is that it may be a little bit too early for you to go to start speaking to VCs. You will have a much more efficient and better time of it if you go after angel investors until you have reached that million dollar in ARR. At this stage, unless you have a really good in because you have you know the right connections, it's very, very difficult for people to get to get investment from VCs, especially with the economy the way it is now. At the end of the day, VCs are businesses and they are as risk averse as everybody else when it comes to what's happening in the world right now. I would, until you're at that million dollar ARR mark, I would strongly recommend you spend your time reaching out to angel investors. And many of my clients have actually still managed to receive a you know, million dollar plus investment from single angel investors. So it doesn't mean that you're going to have to piece together, you know, lots of small investments, you can still get those high ticket ones uh, from angel investors as well. And it's going to be much more efficient if you're at that stage. Got it. Got it. I do believe VCs will have a different opinion on that. Of course, <laughs> we've, uh, we've talked with couple as well and they, and they have the opposite view. I heard the, the statement that angel investment is not like it was in the past, uh, meaning that before angel invest investors were really individuals who, who believe in you and your vision, and they can put some risk, some money aside. And a lot of times people see angel investors become much more risk averse, similar to VCs, and looking for something more like surely, surely done, meaning with some traction, with some, with some kind of a guarantees. Do you see this trend happening from your perspective? Or it's, um, you have some different opinion on that? Yes, I would say that, but I guess it, it it all depends on what you refer to when we talk about traction. So definitely, I think if you have a, if you have your MVP, but you have no traction at all, as in no users, no customers, no no anything to show to to, to validate what you're doing, it's going to be very very difficult. That doesn't mean it's impossible, but very difficult. But that what it what traction doesn't mean is that you need to have you know a solid uh, solid ARR or revenue coming in. You know, I've seen many many times people who you know have managed to gain traction in the form of users in their app. You know they have a, a very small amount of revenue, if 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 anything at all. But they are able to show growth growth of usage of the application, and from that perspective, they've had great success uh, with angel investors. Got it. Got it. Well, I, I know that two types of things when you want to build, for example, networks as as software networks, they you don't rely on revenue from users. They rely on the volumes, for example. Meaning, for example, if you're building specifically Facebook, you're not trying to necessarily get money from each and every user. Instead, you want to create that viral effect to get people in. And traction for networks is actually considered growth in terms of user base. So there's different types of traction. I think yeah. what you're trying to say, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean the number of recurring revenue per year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, even if you're not a, a Facebook or some kind of social media like that, though, um, you know, you, you don't, I guess my point is, is that it's not necessarily about the actual ARR that you have 
it is mm -hmm. I, my experience is that it is about that when it comes to VCs, uh, well, regardless of what they they have said on this podcast. Um, but uh, with angel investors, if you can demonstrate the level of traction that you have and whatever, that's going to mean different things for different businesses. But if you can demonstrate the level of traction you had and what steps it took to get there, and then therefore how you can replicate that once you have that investment, that's what they're that's what they're looking for. So if you've been able to show that, you know, through a week's worth of if you hired a, a sales caller for for one week and they were able to grow your user base or, you know, uh, get this amount of interest from potential customers within that week, then it's just a, a simple extrapolation. Now we have the funds, we can do the same thing on a bigger scale. Okay. 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 Got it. Ben, let's go to the part that a lot of our listeners are interested in, and that's the formula for successful fundraising. So let's say I've built my MVP. I got some users. Some of them might be even paid. It is time for me to go get the funding to get this thing to the next level. Do, do we have any kind of framework, any kind of blueprint, any kind of like frame of thinking we can give to a SaaS founder to teach them how they should go about preparing to talk into those investors? Yeah, absolutely. So I would very much, uh, you know, similarly to what I what I've said earlier, I would very much recommend starting with your story. So writing out and articulating the story that those who have the most success with this are the, the ones who take this the most seriously, from what I've found. So spend time, get all of the ideas out of your head, craft that into a narrative that's really going to tell the story of your business. And the story of your business is not all the features and functionality. It's about the opportunity that you're presenting to investors, the opportunity of your business. So telling that story, once you've you've got that very clearly articulated, then start building your pitch deck based on the story. Once you've got those things, now it's time to start networking. And as I said, that's where that's that's sort of the real time consuming bit that can go on for a long time I and mean, where you end up spending a lot of time. So, you know, make sure that you're active on on LinkedIn, on Twitter, wherever you feel you have the best opportunity for networking. If if you're if you're lucky enough to be living in sort of London or New York or Silicon Valley where all the investors are, uh, then of course, you know, you want to get out to, you know, in person events, but I've, you know, I've worked with a lot of people who do this do this completely remotely through the likes of LinkedIn as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just to clarify so that every SaaS insider can appreciate this, when we're speaking about story, maybe you could give me, me and the audience an example of how it might look like. So let's say I'm a SaaS founder and I have software that helps salespeople sell more because it helps them handle objections. It helps them find the discovery questions during sales calls. And I have this software and I need to figure out the story, how, how to package this for investors. Maybe you could give me some tips. It doesn't have to be specific, but how would I go about writing a story for it? Yeah, absolutely. So the most there are many things that can go into this, but the most important are the problem and what is the pain or the problem that you're actually solving? Generally, that's the first thing that investors are looking for. They need to understand what is the pain here, because at the end of the day, that is the, the most concrete thing that shows that if there is a real problem in the world that enough people experience, that there's a chance for people putting putting their money, putting my money into it at this. What is the problem? A very simple, what is the solution? So that doesn't mean going into masses of detail on features and functionalities. It's about how do you solve 
that problem and perhaps a very, very simple and clear customer journey through your application. But again, it's not about all the features and functionalities. Then we want to be talking about the market size or the market opportunity. As an investor, that's so important. As you can imagine, that's what it's about for them. It's about you know how many people in the world are experiencing this problem and therefore have the capability to in you know to to be your customers to be your users or your clients i would always say those are the first three things that need to be you know that needs to start off your your pitch you then also really want to make sure that you're focused on the team. Who is the team that's going to make this execute? The earlier stage you are, the more important that team is. Because at the end of the day, the team is what the investor is investing in more than the product itself. They're investing in the people who are going to execute this and the people who are going to make this happen. Showing that you are the right team and that you have the right people in place to make this happen is super, super important. And then the last piece, uh, you know, as we've talked about already, would be the traction that you've got, whatever form that may come in. So those are the five things, problem, solution, market opportunity, team and traction. So yes, there's more to it than that, but those are the absolute fundamentals, the absolute basics that need to go into this. This is so good. I want to stop on a couple of points for SaaS insiders to make sure that we have everything documented because we're taking notes here as well. So I think mm -hmm. you, you mentioned that we should, and by the way, those items, they can be incorporated in a pitch deck that will support you during your presentation as well. So it's visual and it also helps you as well, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and we should start specifically with pain and the, what is the problem in this world that we want to solve? Yes. At the end of the day, everything is framed around that within your pitch. So I've seen, I've seen many different pitches and pitch decks, and I'm often quite surprised to see people having the problem somewhere near the end of the deck, you know, as a, as a little bit of an afterthought. That is, that frames the entirety of your pitch. So it really, if not the first slide, it should be very near the top. That frames everything that comes next. So, you know, you start with your problem, then what's the solution to the problem? Then when we mm. talk about the market size and the opportunity, how many people in the world experience this problem? Again, always back to the problem. Then when we talk about the team, have you got the right people in place in order to solve this problem? If you're not starting by clearly articulating what that problem is, then you're really missing the whole frame of the story that you're telling. Got it. Got it. And one thing I heard from investors, from VCs actually, is... The early stage and seed stage, just as the, like you mentioned, there's not so much about the product, about the team, because everyone knows that startups pivot all the time. And the earlier stage it is, the, the higher chance that it will pivot multiple times. So it's not so much about the current solution that you have, but more about the team that investors trust on figuring this out. So they invest in your ability to be flexible and figure out a way. They don't know what exactly it's going to look like in 10 years, but they know that you are the best one to figure it out. Absolutely. C couldn't agree more with that. I mean, it's at the end of the day, they are investing in you rather than your product. So showing that you are the right team to take this forward is, is huge, hugely important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the last thing you said, to mention when it comes to a story is some sort of traction, maybe some sort of unit economics, if if you have those, meaning that you have exactly what you know your customer acquisition cost, if you do, right? But is that is that something that, that is required for seed stage pitch deck to talk about unit economics? 
I would say that you want to include some level of traction, but if you don't have if you don't have any users or any customers yet, uh, then there are other things that you can talk about in there. So, have you done any market research that's going to show the validity of of what you're talking about? As well as you know, have you been able to build a team? You know, if you're in those really early stages, it's you're much more investable if you can show that people are attracted towards your idea. And no longer mm. is it just an idea in you as a solo founder's head, but actually, you know, in the last few months, you've gathered three different co-founders, you know, in in multiple locations. For example, you know, you can you can really talk about traction in those terms as well. If obviously the ideal situation is you have customers and you have users, but if you don't have that, you can show the traction of building a business. So if for whatever reason, you're just really not there and you can't show that user base or that customer base, show that you are building a business and that there is attraction towards your idea. And that in itself is traction. Brilliant. One thing that is on top of my mind is, and I know a lot of SaaS founders think about this too, is do we have any kind of... um, convention on how long my pitch as a SaaS founder should be. Because I know some founders will be pitching the idea in 45 seconds. Some of them will take 45 minutes to talk about this. And I don't think and I don't think both are really good. Do you do you have any any golden middle ground on how that should look like in terms of timing? Not to bore investors, but to actually still cover enough to make them see the vision. I would say that you want to aim for 10 minutes, maximum 15, if you're if you're giving a giving a live pitch. However, what I've also found to be the case is that nowadays, uh, conversations with investors can often be less of a formal pitch and more just a conversation, less, less like we jump on a call or we, you know, go and meet somebody. And it's like, okay, here's your here's your 15 minutes present to me. Nowadays, it seems to be the case that you are engaging more in a in a conversation, talking through talking through the story, talking through the deck. Yes, you still need to be prepared. Some people will do it the more traditional way where, you know, you, you'll just, here you go, present to me. Uh, and others will do it in this more, more conversational way. So you need to be prepared for all eventualities. But I would say that the ideal situation is you want to be able to craft craft a compelling story, a compelling pitch uh, that you can do within 10 minutes. If I get this correctly, what you're saying is it's not always the conventional way of you presenting, everyone else is listening. It sometimes happens in a more like uh, two-sided conversation, almost like a discussion of, Absolutely. Uh, of the product. Absolutely. So, you know, my, my most, most recent client who's who's just closed uh, 2 million fundraising she did not have a single instance where she actually gave a formal pitch if you will uh, mm-hmm. so yes she had to pitch but it was much more in the form of a discussion or a conversation so the story was really important but it wasn't just i'm going to start my story and go from from a to b it was it was a discussion and a conversation it shouldn't be a necessary exact time frame that you should be aiming for but we still need to have a reference of 10 to 15 minutes because i imagine some some founders will then go create 150 slides and we'll try in a conversation that will last 90 minutes try to explain it to investors and it'll never end so sas and yeah. you should have it concise and to the point it shouldn't be two slides 
it should be a bit more. You should address the core six points that we've discussed. And you need to re-listen to this to this part if you if you missed it. But it shouldn't be very long. It should be up to 10 to 15 minutes in presentation format. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the key thing that you said, if you're preparing a pitch that you can deliver within 10, maximum 15 minutes, then you are forced to ensure that you're being clear and concise. And you, if you go into masses amount of detail, you're going to lose people in the room really easily, no matter if it is that formal pitch or more of a discussion. So by forcing yourself to have that time limit, it forces you to really focus and simplify and condense down your message. Mm, okay. Okay. Ben, let's say I've crafted, I've crafted my pitch deck. I thought about the story. How do you know you've got everything you need to start the pitching process? Like, is there, is there a checklist? Is there something that, that can tell me like, now I'm ready or no, I still need to work on this? Yeah. So the main things that I'd say you need. So as we've talked about the story pitch mm -hmm. deck, I'd say most investors will want to see some level of financial projections, you know, even if you don't have any revenue yet, uh, if you, you want to be able to show your financial projections for at least a couple of years into the future. So I would say a, a three-year financial forecast. On top of that, some kind of written narrative. And again, this goes back to why the story is important. I see a trend in the last few years that investors want to see more than just a pitch deck. They want to see a written narrative, could be referred to as a business plan as well, but really a written narrative that it's talking through what your pitch deck is, something that they can read through if they're, you know, obviously at that early stage, a quick pitch deck that's just really quick for them to understand what you're doing. But then when they're a little bit more in depth on this, something, some kind of written narrative that they can read through that explains all of this stuff in a bit more detail. So, so those would be the main things, the story, the pitch deck, some kind of a written narrative and, uh, you know, at least a three year financial projection. Mm -hmm. And when I've done all of those items and I go about finding the people to interest in my, in my SaaS startup, when I want to fundraise, do you have any recommendations you would give on what kind of investors I need to look into? So I'm not speaking in terms of VC or angel, I mean, as a person as their background is there anything i should be looking for to know that this is this is my type of investor that this is who i want to co-invest in yeah so you definitely need to do your research and i that's not a question i can answer broadly for everyone because everyone is going to be different so you want to spend time researching the investors creating a short list of people that match you. And what, what I mean by that is have a look at who they've invested in the past. Have a look at what they're posting about on social media. If they're active on LinkedIn, you know, have a look at what they're talking about, the type of businesses that they're interested in. It can't hurt as well to think about, think a little bit more personally about these things as well. So for example, and, and this is especially true of angel investors, you know, they are individuals who are making this decision. So think about if you're looking at an angel investor and they have a background as a VC or an accountant or something like that, it's a pretty safe bet. They're going to be very focused on your numbers. Okay. But if they're not, if they come from a, a, type, a different background, who knows, they have a, a background as a founder themselves or, or in the arts, they're maybe going to be a little bit more focused on, on your ideas and, and your vision. Uh, so just have a think about that when you're looking into investors as well. Make, research your investors, make a short list, you know, and, and try and get as much of an understanding of them as you can 
from all the information out there on 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 the internet mm -hmm. i i heard the saying that investors should be a bit more than just money printing machine for you because it should be someone who can add value outside of just money because if someone invests into business and has no idea how it works they can actually even sabotage it with their opinions that are not fitting what you're trying to achieve what what, what do you have to say uh, about this yeah i think that's definitely true and what i have found to be the case is that as soon as you have interest from one or two investors, they move in herds. Once you've got interest from a couple of investors, then it's much, much easier for you to get more investors interested. And at that point, then you can start picking and choosing which investor you want to work with. And I know that might sound like, you know, such a far off thing for many people who haven't even started this process, but you really find that as soon as you get one interested, the whole process becomes a lot easier. The, the recommendation that I would say based on based on what you asked me there is don't stop once you've got interest from one and once you've got interest from one use that to start getting interest from many more you can make the choice yourself which person you want to, to work with because it's a hugely important relationship okay okay ben from your experience if you were to give one most important advice if that's the only thing our listeners will take away from this session to all the SaaS insiders, all the SaaS founders who are going to fundraise, what is the number one advice you would give to them? So I always go back to crafting a compelling story and making it as simple as possible. You have to appreciate and understand that investors will not have the same level of knowledge and understanding of the industry that you do. Being able to convey what you do in as simple terms as possible within your story is hugely important. So I have you know, contacts and, and friends of mine who are VCs, who are angel investors. And one of the main things that I've heard from people is that they often get on a call. By the end of the call, they still actually don't understand what this business is and how it makes money. It seems to happen more than you would think. So just because it's clear to you doesn't necessarily mean it's clear to them. So clarity and simplicity are hugely, hugely important here. Got it. Got it. Thank you, Ben. One of the parts of interviews that we usually do on SaaS Insiders podcast is more of a personal side of people because outside of just professional fundraising, building, scaling, we're all humans and we're a community. So it's really important for listeners to know a bit more about you and to know how to connect with you. So I wanted to ask on behalf of our audience as well, what do you find to be one activity that you like to do outside of your work that gets you into flow state, something that lets you disconnect from work and think creatively, think strategically? Anything to do with sort of sports, fitness, working out. Uh, for me, if, if I haven't done some kind of exercise uh, with, within a couple of days, I can feel my brain is just not functioning at, it, at its full capacity. So anything active for me is, uh, is, is a game changer. It puts me in that, that flow state. If you were to go back in time, so let's say we have a time machine, if we could imagine for a second, and you could go back in time five years from now and meet younger self and give them one piece of advice on how to live a better life, how to live a more fulfilling life, how to succeed more. If it's just one advice to younger self, what that advice would look like? I think that would be about getting into entrepreneurship earlier. Yeah, you know, I think especially if if you you feel in your body and your 
your mind that it's the right thing for you uh just just going out and doing it and and not waiting and not not caring what anybody else thinks you know you you understand the opportunity in front of you and and nobody else has to just do it right like like nike says exactly what kind of resources you would recommend to SaaS insiders to go and check out to business related. So it might be some books, it might be some inspirational speakers that you listen to, it might be videos, anything that you find as a good resource to really wire you in the right way as an entrepreneur, as a founder, as a fundraiser, as an investor, up to three Mm. resources, if you were to name, that impacted you. So for me, I've actually, I've just finished reading the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, which I, I think is brilliant. It's one of those, one of those books where, uh, you know, from, from the first page, I was just like, everything this guy's saying makes so much sense. So I definitely recommend that. Uh, there's another book uh, that I read uh, not too long ago called Extreme Ownership, which I think has, you know, really helped me to kind of solidify the mindset that I need in order to kind of take, take ownership of, of what I'm doing and take responsibility. In terms of sort of resources and, and mentors, for me, when I when I started in business, I knew sales. I didn't know too much about sort of online marketing. So, you know, that was a big piece for me. So, you know, I, I uh, worked with someone called uh, called Bruno Morris, brilliant, brilliant marketing coach uh, who's really helped me get get my online presence sorted. So those would be the sort of three three game changing things for, for me. What do you think would be some of the biggest challenges you face uh, as an entrepreneur at this stage of your journey? Something that you're currently looking for help with? Because we are as a community, we always want to help and we have different backgrounds. Some people have marketing backgrounds, technology backgrounds, sales, uh, fundraising, right? In this case, what do you think would be the areas that currently keep you up at night as an entrepreneur and uh, you're looking actually for help in those? So I would say for me, it's about how do I remove myself from from the business? I think that's something that's is difficult for a lot of people, um, you know, especially right now with what I do, which is, you know, which is coaching, you know, so it's, it's very much about my relationship with the people that I'm working with. But, you know, I want to be able to help more people to scale this. Uh, so how do I how do I remove my myself from that so I'm, I'm able to to get across to more people and help more people to to get this information we we, we definitely cannot scale 24 hours that we have <laughs> and if, if if we did that will be against the physics laws right <laughs> uh, laws of physics so but I, I agree i agree i think systems and and team members is the way to go but it's it's a much more to it when it comes to marketing and positioning so we, we might be able to talk about this but that, that's another episode for for a podcast absolutely what does success mean to you as as a band today i know band five years ago band five years into the future will have different understanding of it but at this stage of your life it can be something personal business related money family anything like what do you think is a statement of success for you today from a business perspective i love i love getting results for the clients um so you know when when my clients are being successful i'm being successful uh, so for, from that perspective that's what it's all about from a personal perspective i would say 
you know, what I'm doing right now is I'm running my business fully online as, as per the beginning of this year, COVID taught me that was possible. So I'm running my business fully, fully online and I'm traveling. So from a personal perspective, it's, it's really about li- lifestyle, the ability as an entrepreneur to, to travel the world, uh, while working. Mm-hmm. So, so the freedom, freedom yeah, of, absolutely. of control of your time, basically. Absolutely. The freedom of having control of my time, working from wherever I want to work. So right now I'm, I'm in Bali where there's a whole massive community of people who are running their businesses online uh, from, a, from a tropical island. Got it. Some people in the colder areas got jealous immediately <laughs> by listening to us. So where can founders, where can SaaS Insiders get in touch with you to learn a bit more about what you do and how you help people? What would be the sources? Uh, we'll be putting those links in a description to this episode so that everyone listening can check those out. But what would be the best way to, to find out more? Yeah, so uh, LinkedIn and Facebook is is where I'm most active. Uh, you'll be able to see uh, lots of free content uh, if you if you connect with me on those platforms. Um, I have a Facebook group where I am you know constantly posting new free content and new free training. So yeah, please uh, reach out to me through those platforms and be more than happy to you know I've, I've just recorded a training uh, which is uh, entitled you know how my clients have raised. Uh, million dollar plus seed rounds so be more than happy to share that training video with anyone you know just just mention that you got in touch through this podcast and more than happy to to share that video with you awesome awesome ben to kind of wrap up our conversation today any last thoughts what would be the last thing you would um you would like to deliver to to the audience today so I think it would be sort of uh, more, more of the same, really, and just reinforcing the point of uh, simplicity, clarity, and and telling your story. It's not about your PowerPoint slides, about your story, uh, and it's about making it as simple and coherent as possible. So really, that 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 three-step process, if you will, that we talked about earlier: write your story, then craft your pitch deck, then spend spend time networking and connecting with the right people. Ben Pelag, everyone. Ben, I thank you for coming to our show today. Thanks very much for having me, Vlad. Sassan Cyrus, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episodes.